0: The Apostle Paul here is writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, and as he's warning Timothy about these perilous times that will come, about persecution that will come, um, he, he says, when you skip down to verse 13, that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, but... He tells Timothy what his response to be in the face of all of that is to continue thou, in verse 14, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And to kind of remind Timothy of the things that he had learned, he says that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And so in the, in the face of a, an increasingly wicked culture, in the face of persecution, what the Apostle Paul tells Timothy to do is to remember the things that you've learned from the scriptures. And, you know, Paul, Paul refers to Timothy as his son in the faith. Paul, uh, Timothy was a very young man when Paul first, uh, encounters him and begins to take him with him on his journeys. And I hear Paul's writing to Timothy, and Timothy would be like a, like a pastor of a local church. And, uh, Timothy was someone you can piece together from other passages of Scripture that Timothy's mother was Jewish and his father was a Gentile. And it seems that the spiritual influence in Timothy's life came from his mother. Uh, when, again, when you look at uh, various other, other uh, passages of Scripture, and Timothy had known the Scriptures from the time that he was a child. Of course, the Scriptures here that the Apostle Paul would be speaking about would be uh, primarily the Old Testament. And, and Timothy's mother and grandmother taught him those Scriptures. And um, uh, he says that Paul here says that the scriptures are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And he reminds Timothy of just what the scripture is. When we talk about the scripture, what are we talking about. He says in verse 16 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. He says that the scripture is given by inspiration of God. And inspiration, when the Bible talks about inspiration, it's not talking about how, you know, you might hear, uh, for instance, a, a songwriter say, you know, some circumstances in their life inspired them to write a certain song. Or, you know, people, people say that they were inspired by, by something to, you know, something they read or heard to do something. That's not what the Bible means when it talks about inspiration. Um, and it's really not even what the what the word inspiration really means. Um, the English word inspiration means in breathe. Uh, if you think about it, it, would be related to, for instance, the word respiration. What's respiration? That's breathing, right? And inspiration means it's talking about something being breathed. And if if uh, you know if we were to look at the the uh, greek there what the what the greek says it, the greek words would be posgrafe theonustos which means all scripture posgrafe all scripture theonustos is breathed by god or is god breathed god breathed out the scriptures and he did that through his holy spirit uh, that process of of inspiration uh, was a process that God used to give His Word in such a way that it would be perfect. And, uh, He, He, uh, describes that in various, various passages of Scripture. But, uh, for instance, uh, over in 1 Peter chapter 1, First Peter chapter one, verse nine, it says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you, with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. You see, it describes there how the, the prophets uh, had the Spirit of Christ in them. And it was that Spirit that was in them that was speaking, that was testifying of these things. In fact, a, a passage like this indicates that the prophets themselves didn't always understand what it was they were really prophesying about, right? Because it says that they, they uh, understood or it was revealed to them that it wasn't to themselves, but unto, uh, here Peter says, us, speaking of that, that uh, generation that would actually see the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then certainly believers that would come after, he says, it was not unto themselves, but unto us they administer the things which are now reported unto you. You see, so so prophets in the Old Testament were prophesying about Christ, but they understood these things aren't really for us. And and it says they were searching what or what manner of time the spirit which was in them did signify. They're trying to figure it out what. You know, I've been given this message by the Spirit, but what does it mean? When's it going to happen? And they came to the conclusion it's going to happen at some later date for some other people. Uh, And and so inspiration is a process. The Bible is written in in a way that no other book is written. Right, the way most books are written is an author has some idea, whether it's fiction or non-fiction, the author has some idea, Uh, they maybe do some research, they go out, they figure out what they want to write, they write it down, and and they put it out there for people to read. And that human author may be right in what they say, they may be wrong in what they say, uh you know they may have interesting things to say they may their book may fail completely and nobody ever reads it that's what happens with the majority of books that are ever written but uh that human author puts out that book but you know the bible wasn't written in that way the bible was written through this this process of inspiration which uh, which uh God used in order to give his word in a way that that uh, would reflect absolute truth. If you go to 2 Peter chapter 1, here's another good passage that gives us an idea of how, how this inspiration works. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 20 says, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You see, men were moved by the Holy Ghost and these prophets spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost and the reason that it, it says there, it says that the prophecy isn't of any private interpretation. Uh, you can't you can't come to the scripture and just you know come up with some private interpretation of what it means because it was written by the Holy Spirit himself. You need to seek out what is the Holy Spirit's interpretation of what it means. What did God intend when He wrote the words? And and you see that it came not by the will of man, but it says that the that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And that word moved, uh, it's, a, it's a word, that the uh, original word that's used there is a, a word that's used of the way that a, a wind moves a ship. Okay? And so that wind fills those sails and the ship is moved along by that wind. And in the same way, that Holy Spirit of God Moved these men of God who spoke and wrote the words of god and and God's design in that was that his word would be perfect you know people have different ideas about inspiration and and uh, you know many of them have the idea that God sort of maybe gave those men sort of the general idea and then they did the best they could to explain it uh, but but our, our text said that it's the, the scriptures, the written word, that is inspired. Not just some fuzzy idea that man does his best to explain. God inspired the words. He breathed the words through this process of the Holy Spirit moving these men of God. Because, you know, the word of God is very important. It's very important to God himself. I go back in the book of Psalms. Go to, uh, you know, there, there's a a chapter of the Psalms that is all about the Word of God, and it's Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is also the longest chapter in the Bible. Um, it is, uh, in your Bible, you might have in Psalm 119, you might see little Hebrew characters there with the, the names of the letters. Some Bibles have that and, and some don't. But uh, Psalm 119 was written in these sections of about about seven or eight verses each, and each section begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So that uh, Psalm 119, verse one, now you don't see this in English, right? I mean, we're reading it translated into English, but the uh, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the the letter Aleph. Okay, and uh, Psalm 119 verse 1 in the Hebrew begins with the letter Aleph. The second letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the letter Bet. And, uh, Psalm 119 verse 9 begins with the letter Bet. And God probably wrote it that way as a, as a memory aid. You know, we use that different times. You can use, use a, uh, an acronym or something to remember something. But, uh, Psalm 119, I mean, by the time you get all the way through that Hebrew alphabet, You have uh, 176 verses, and you know that when you read down through Psalm 119, every verse speaks about the Word of God. Uh, If you just look at the first few verses, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Uh, they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. All of these things are references to the written word of God. You see, thou has commanded us to keep thy precepts. Another, another uh, word for the word of God. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. And, you know, Psalm, Psalm 119, again, longest chapter in the Bible, but you'll learn a lot about how God views His Word when you read Psalm 119. Uh, go over to uh, Psalm 138, though, and let me show you a, a verse here that really, when you think about it, uh, is a is a weighty verse regarding the Word of God. Uh, and before I read the verse, you know that, that under the Old Testament law, if... You took a vow in the name of the Lord in the name of Jehovah, and you didn't perform that thing you vowed to do, that was punishable by death. Now you might think I mean that that could be kind of a trivial thing. Uh, of course, one effect of that would mean not very many people would vow things in the name of the Lord, right? Um, but that's because if you're if you're calling when you're vowing something in the name of the Lord, you're calling. Jehovah God is as the witness that you're going to do that thing and then you don't do it. That reflects negatively on who God is, right? I mean, it reflects negatively on who you are, but it reflects negatively on who God is. And God, uh, his his name is something that is holy and, and pure. Um, you know, we ought to be we ought to be protective about our name. The Bible talks about how important it is to have a good name. You know, and sometimes we, we do things that bring shame on our, on our name. You know, when people mention your name, what do they think of? Do they think, do they think good things or do they think bad things? We ought to be protective of our names like that as well. But God is so protective there of His name and honors that name so much that He said, if you're going to invoke my name and then fail to, to do, you know, basically lie in the name of the Lord, that's punishable by death. That's how serious that is. And, and the name of the Lord is very important to God. But notice what he says in Psalm 138. Verse 1 says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Now notice, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. God's magnified, as as much as he magnifies his name, he says he's magnified his word above his name. God takes his word very seriously, right? And and that's why it was important to God to inspire the word in such a way that, that the words that were recorded would be truth. Because God says of his word, Uh, In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ prays uh, for for the disciples and he says to God the Father, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, when you look at other books that are written by man, they may contain some truth, right? I mean, there are certainly, certainly many books in the world that contain many truths. You can read things and and they'll have truth. But there is no other book in the world that is truth. See? Thy word is truth. When you're coming to the word of God, you are coming to truth. Absolute truth. Uh, So much so that, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ himself is called the word. Now, you have the written word of God. And then you have Jesus Christ that is the living word. Word of God, but but again, you see how uh, how God has magnified His Word. You know, you consider, go over to the book of Philippians, chapter 2, as it speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ, it talks about His incarnation and how He humbled Himself, and He, he was made in the fashion of, of man, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ is a unique individual in all of the universe, because He's fully God, and He's fully man. And through through his death and burial and resurrection, Christ has been exalted. And verse 9 of Philippians chapter 2 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Uh, Do you know that the name Jesus is Yah, which is Jehovah, Yah, and Shua, which is salvation. You know, the name Jehovah means I am, right? Uh, God tells Moses, tell him, I am and sent me to you. That's what Jehovah means. It means I am. You know what Jesus means? It means I am salvation. It means Jehovah saves. You see, that's the, the meaning of the name. The name is important. It's not just you know, just a, a, a random name that somebody picked out of a, a book. That's what that's what people do. You know, you wanna you have a, you know you're gonna have a baby coming and you need to think of a name, right? Either pick some name that you like or or you you look through one of those name books and oh there's one that's nice. God didn't do that with the name Jesus. That name was picked by God because it means something. Right? And Jesus, you see it talks about the name of Jesus there you know there's some people who make a big deal about the name Jehovah and and certainly that name Jehovah you know again that's that name that God revealed but what does it say here about the name of Jesus there are people who say you know you should you should only refer to God as Jehovah here it says that the name of Jesus has been put above every name now the name of name Jehovah is emphasized in the Old Testament but the name Jesus is above every name Okay, and and God's given Jesus his name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so you have the the name Jehovah that's magnified. Here you have the name Jesus that's magnified above every name. But Psalm 138 verse 2 says that God's magnified his word above his name. Because you wouldn't know anything about God except for His Word. You, you might know a few basic things that you could learn from the creation, right? I mean, Romans, Romans 1 says that from the creation of the world, the things of Him are, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. You can learn some things about God from looking out at the creation, but you can't really know who, who God is. You certainly can't find salvation from looking out at the creation. You need a revelation from God, and He has revealed Himself. That's why the Word of God is so important, is because it's a revelation of God Himself. And how how negligent are we often of the Word of God? You know, you know, we're we're fortunate. We live in a day and age and in a place where Bibles are plentiful. Um, we, you know, it's most homes. I think it's probably true. Most homes still have a Bible. Uh, some of them probably have it packed away somewhere where they haven't seen it for years. But I, I would bet it's probably still true that most homes have a Bible somewhere. That hasn't always been true. You know, you go back before, before printing was common, and there were some churches that didn't even have a Bible. And a lot of the, the churches, they would have one Bible, and they a lot of times had it in... Kind of the, the the vestibule or the entryway of the church there, and if you wanted to go and read the Bible, you went to the church and you stood there and read that Bible, and it was usually chained to a to a you know a pulpit or something so somebody wouldn't steal it because the you know I mean they had to be copied out by hand right that was a pretty valuable thing that probably took. Took uh, you know hundreds, if not thousands, of hours, man hours of work to to put together, and they were very expensive. And everybody didn't just have a Bible in their home. We've got Bibles everywhere, and that's a great thing. The Word of God is everywhere, but it means that in in some ways we kind of regard the Bible as being kind of common. We we maybe we maybe lose some of the. Some of the importance of really what it is when we come to God's Word that we are dealing with the Word of God. Now, you understand that, that God, when you begin the book of Genesis, it's God's Word that actually forms this whole creation that we live in, right? God spoke and things happen. God said, let there be light and out of, out of nothing, light comes, right? That's the power of the Word of God and, and we have it here in a book. Now, You know, you aren't going to you aren't going to call things into existence by reading the word of God. But there's power in that word of God. There's power to take uh, a dead, lost sinner and give them life and make them a part of the body of Christ and, and join them to Christ and raise them from the dead spiritually. That's the power that's in the word of God. Maybe it's something we ought to get out and read once in a while, right? And get serious about it and, and learn it and study it and, and take it and take the words off the page and put them down into our heart where they can do some good and, and make some difference. What a privilege we have to have God's Word. And you know, you have the completed Word of God. You know, there's no more of the Bible yet to be written. It's, it's complete. Uh, when, when the last words of the New Testament were penned in the first century, the Bible was complete. You realize Moses didn't have the complete word of God. Um, you know, uh, Daniel didn't have the complete word of God. King David didn't have the complete word of God. They had, they had part of it. You know, they had up to what had been written to that time. We've got the completed word of God. Um, and... The Bible is filled with truth and, and with things that God wants for us to know and that we need to know. That we need to know if we're going to live a life that's going to reflect who Christ is. Because if the Bible is a revelation of God, if the Bible is a revelation of Christ, as we take that word, we take it in, it changes us and transforms us and We start to reflect who Christ is. Okay? Now, that's that's an important thing to understand the authority that the Bible has. Because that that written word of God, when it comes to to matters of of morality, right and wrong, uh, when it comes to spiritual matters, the only way we, we can know anything is because the Bible says it. And the Bible is authoritative, right? I mean, part of that idea of the name of God is the authority that he has. And again, his word's been magnified above his name. God's word has the same authority that God has. So that if God tells me something in his word, it has the same authority as if I were standing right before God and he were telling me that thing. Okay, so. Um, you know, if if uh God tells me in his word, you know, let them that stole steal no more, but henceforth let him labor working with his hands a thing which is good, that he may have to give to to him that has not, uh that's God telling me that. Right? And that's just as authoritative as if God were standing right here speaking those those words to me. Do we do we think that way when we approach the word of God? I think I think often we lose that in our minds. Uh, you know, if you were to stand before God, uh, first of all, there's not many people who stand before God anyway, because when God does even reveal part of Himself to somebody, usually their first reaction is to fall on their face, right? Uh, but but if God were to stand in front of you and He were to tell you something to do, would you, you know, would you? Uh, do it or would you not do it? <laughs> would, you, would you rebelliously say, No, God, I'm not, I'm not going to do that today. Um, would you neglect that thing? Would you walk away and just forget he ever said it and, and you know, go on as, as you were? Um, I think probably, uh, in those circumstances, most of us would do what God says. But we have the same thing when we come to the Bible, right? And... You know, with, with that said, there's a lot of things you have to, you have to understand about the Bible. And sometimes, I mean, there's some issues where it can be, it can be, uh, you know, somewhat challenging maybe to discern what the will of God is or what God would have you to do. But if you start with that mindset that the Bible is going to be my authority, uh, a lot of those things can work themselves out. If you start with that mindset that I want my life to reflect what God says in in His Word. Now, you understand, we live in a body of flesh. We still have an old man that oftentimes we allow to to, uh, control us in such a way that we don't reflect uh, what God says in His Word. Uh, You understand that? That's a lifelong struggle that every believer will have. The most mature believer struggles with that flesh, but we have that we have the opportunity to acknowledge where the authority is you realize that that the authority is not me the authority is not pastor tim there's a you know there's an authority certainly that goes along with being a, a pastor a leader in a in a local church but you realize where the ultimate authority is the ultimate authority is is god's word Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.